Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we have an NWSL quarterfinal recap. We had two quarterfinal matches. They were excellent, chaotic. They had everything. We're ready to chat about them. We wanted to get at least four hours of sleep before <laughs> talking about them so that we can be a little bit refreshed to chat with everyone this morning. And we're so excited to do that. But before we take a deep dive into both of these games and what happened in between the lines, we wanted to share a very big announcement with everyone. The NWSL Championship is October 29th in Audi Field in Washington, D.C. And guess what? Attacking Third will be there. You can Lisa and I before the final for a live championship preview with analysis and special guests. And so we will see you all there at the NWSL Championship Final on October 29th. We will have additional details forthcoming about it, but we just wanted to get excited about this with everybody the morning after the quarterfinals. I'm hyped. It's like we are closer. We're one step closer to the final. We are one step closer. We are so excited about the championship. We are thrilled to be there um, with Attacking Third, doing a live show, hopefully meeting a lot of you. Um, we, we've done a couple live shows before, mostly on the West Coast. So I'm excited to bring one to the East Coast, get some championship energy around it, um, and, and talk some soccer in front of a lot of cool people ready to watch the game. I am thrilled about it. I'm so excited that we finally get to share this juicy news with everyone. <laughs> Same, same. It's like we've been uh, we've been hiding a little bit. You know, we've sort of been playing it close to the, uh, to the chest there. Like we wanted to finalize details and uh, we went ahead and did that. And now we were like, you know what? We got to start talking about it because it's going to be here sooner than we think. Quarterfinals are done. We have our four semifinalists Ooh. now. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting time. Listen, if if folks out there have not. 
um, you know, ever experienced in NWSL championship final weekend and you have the ability and the means to, I would definitely encourage you to do that. There's a lot of excitement uh, around uh, this game being held at Audi Field. It's going to be a primetime slot. Uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. So uh, we can't wait to continue to talk about it, promote it, build it up to, to the championship. And quite frankly, uh, the playoff rounds are helping in facilitate all of that excitement well, because these quarterfinal matches, delightful. Nuts. They were nuts. <laughs> and I expected nothing less than just absolute chaos, but um, we got insane amounts of chaos. It was so fun to watch this, to kind of end my weekend with this. And and we talked about it during the preview that it was a 5 o'clock Eastern match um, and then a 10 p.m. kickoff. And there was a bit of downtime in between. And I really enjoyed that because it allowed me to like – marinate with the first a little bit yes and like and like really understand fully what happened who was moving on um and then prepare for the second match to come at at 10 o'clock last night so i honestly enjoyed the break now 10 o'clock is a little late is a little late uh for for the old sleep schedule here but um it was still fantastic i mean if this is how the nwsl playoffs are going to go i am so here for it no, I'm with you 100%. I think even just like the buildup to to these matches, you know, we were talking about the previews. We were like getting excited, like uh, what we might see, what we could see in either of these games. And quite frankly, I think they they both they both delivered. Um, I'm with you on having the small gap between between times you and I texting each other through or just like, oh, like maybe we'll get a nap in. Maybe we'll get, yeah. you know, like maybe we'll get a couple snacks in. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It was, uh, I appreciated the uh, the scheduling just like you did as well. But uh, let's look, we'll just, we'll just go uh, in order here. And, and I guess content warning, if you were someone who waited, you know, for the next day to try to get results of, of, of the later, of the two quarterfinals, Lisa and I are going to spoil it for you. Quite frankly, yeah, if you're joining us here live to do. <laughs> right now, is part of our part of our job is to spoil that for you, and we're going to do that. We're going to chat all about uh, both matches and the results. Let's just sort of kick it off here. There's your content warning: Houston Dash uh, falling to Kansas City Current two one, and then you have San Diego Way falling to, or excuse me, defeating the Chicago Red Stars 2-1. So now we have our four finalists. It's going to be San Diego heading off to take on Portland in the semifinals, and it's going to be Kansas City heading off to Seattle to face OL Rain. Take a look at our bracket here if you're joining us live. You love to see it. It's going to be coming up next week. You're going to be taking a look at each of these semifinals on October 23rd. You can catch them on CBS Sports Network. But how, how did Kansas City and San Diego get there, Lisa? We got to talk about it. Kansas City on the road to face Houston Dash. The fifth place team versus the fourth place team scenes, absolute scenes, over 21,000 people in attendance to take in this game. And things got chaotic very early in this one. We had a penalty kick in this game in the opening five minutes end to end. You loved it. Just for just to remind folks, if you didn't catch our preview, Lisa went with Kansas City. I went with Houston. We both agreed it would be low, maybe like a 2-1. 
and this game delivered. Lisa with the pick. Sure what would you think of this? Uh, the opening half here between these two teams. I mean, you said it. The chaos started early between these two sides. Um, anyone that missed it, you can catch full extended highlights of every single NWSL playoff game on Attacking Third YouTube page because I highly recommend going back and checking this one out because Kansas City against Houston, it was electric, right? There was so much talk about how Houston was selling out their stadium and they were breaking records and doing fantastic things. And that energy was showing through the Paramount Plus screen because the the stands were packed and I haven't seen that at a home Houston game once this year. So the the vibes in Houston were incredibly different than anything that this team um or any opponent coming in to to play the dash has experienced but the opening 10, 15 minutes of this game were chaotic. It was a little bit of back and forth. It was teams trying to understand um, the play going between these two sides. When when we got the starting lineup, um, I was not at all surprised to see Alex Ware for Kansas City slotting into the defensive mid-role for Desiree Scott, who was out on serving her suspension for this match against Houston. And and likewise, I think... um, what we saw from Houston's lineup really wasn't too, too surprising in what they were able to do because um, along the back line, like Didasco, Prysock, Naughton, uh, Jacob slotting in there a little bit interesting to see for, for Houston. But I think that otherwise, like moving up the pitch, Sanchez, Salmon, Prince, Alozi, um, Vigiano, like the normal suspects for Houston and for Kansas city as, as they moved higher up the field, but it was end to end for these sides. And the fact that there was a whistle blown in the opening three minutes was um, surprising because it was late because it was a late, very late whistle. The, the foul happened um, in the Kansas city, 18 yard box. Houston was defending Alex Aguera plays a beautiful slip ball in for, Kristen Hamilton, who runs onto it and just gets tripped up. But the whistle did come late. It, I, it definitely was a penalty kick, but the late whistle well, threw me off a little bit. Perhaps it was a the center while. ref couldn't see, and then the <laughs> AR had to tell him. And, like, I'm okay with it. It was just, like, what's happening? Like, my head was, like, all over the place. Um, but, of course, Lola Bonta steps up, knocks it down. She gets her eighth goal of this year for Kansas City. That's now uh, – her sixth penalty kick that she has scored uh, six yeah. for seven from the spot for Labonta. And of course they had the celebration ready, the little can can from the Kansas city players. Love it. Um, but it was, it, it was chaos to start this. And I think that the penalty kick really shifted things a little bit because Houston conceded a penalty kick their last regular season game against Washington. And you and I talked about it in the preview. Can Houston control the controllables? Yeah. That was one of the controllables that they they didn't control. Like, why are you conceding a, a penalty kick? Um, well, it's a really tough call. I mean, like, right, it's a tough I want, call. I, I wanted to ask you about this, too, because I <laughs> – I'm, I love the way you phrase it. You're like, why are you conceding a penalty? That's such a that's such like a defender like thing to like say. Which is funny because I wanted to ask you you about it because this is look this was a great ball in right by by Loera to sort of create a little bit of of that chaotic moment. I mean, very early in. I mean, you have such a you know sort of direct ball or a direct link up there mm-hmm. in that moment. What is what is the other option as a, as a defender there? I mean, yes, 
it's it's hard to be like, okay, get in position. Like I, it's so easy in hindsight to say, don't let her run past you. Like get a body on her before she gets to the ball. Yeah. Give her a bump. Give Hamilton a bump before she gets there. But in that moment when uh, the forward is already past you and the ball is past you, the slide tackle has to be cleaner. It Like if you're going to slide, it's got to be cleaner because you know you're going down in the box. You understand that this is a, a like a goal, a game-changing play. So you have to make sure you get the ball. That's like, honestly, the bottom line of it. You cannot take out their feet. And and we've seen players slide tackle and the the attacker falls down, but it's not a penalty kick. Now in the box, forwards tend to dive a little bit. There's a little bit of back and forth, but you can't get yourself in that situation, especially five minutes into the match. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not an ideal game scenario in, in in that moment. I think if you're Houston Dash, right? You're you you're preparing all all week uh, in the build up to your quarterfinal, and you know maybe this is. A, I, I do wonder if this was a of a, a game scenario that they did prepare for. Like, hey, like what happens in the event? That the unthinkable happens and, and, and we concede a penalty uh, in the opening 15 minutes of this game. What is I mean, our response going to be? I doubt that they had that conversation because – I. but, hey, I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. I'm bringing it up because, look, after they conceded that penalty and they go down early, it kind of like – shook them a little bit it, in a, in a yeah. good way. Like there was, I think the yes. response that we saw from this Houston dash at kind of post, you know, penalty kick conversion uh, was a little bit of like, okay, it's, it's yeah. the playoffs. Let's go kind of energy. I, I agree. I do that end to end action. Mm-hmm. Pretty I, early I do think it. it jolted Houston in the sense that they were like, Oh crap, this is it. Like we got to get going. The fact that Houston was also at home and they had 20,000 fans behind them. I think that also helped a little bit in those types of situations when um, if you're on the road and that happens and, and the team that is home gets an opening penalty kick, like you are deflated. You, it takes a lot of mental strength and willpower to come back from that as a player and as a team. But when you are, the home team that concedes that and 20,000 people in the stands start cheering for you and start getting behind you and, and lift you up because, Hey, there's still 85 minutes left in this match that changes things. And we saw a shift in Houston because they um, were on the attacking end of things. They were creating chances. Um, Maria Sanchez, Holy cow. She had such such an incredible game, but it, it, it took them 10 minutes to get into it. That yeah. was That's like the heartbreaker for Houston because if they started the game the way they started um, after the tap-off, after Kansas City scored the penalty kick, I think it would have been a completely different game because Houston then goes on to equalize off of a corner kick in the 21st minute or so. Um, Sophie Schmidt gets the equalizer. Huge for her as a, as a veteran on this team, um, a, a veteran in Houston. I love to see that. But we talked yeah. before how this was going to be a goalkeeper keeper battle between Franch and Campbell, and it was. We saw great saves from both of these sides. 80 Franch, Look, holy cow. That first half out of 80 Franch in this game, I, I mean, we're talking about a game that Houston is chasing mm-hmm. from the opening five minutes. And it was, I love the equalizer. I love that it came off of a set piece for the dash. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, you know, again, Maria Sanchez with a really, really good game for the dash in this one. Good service. You're getting it centrally within the box. It just sort of 
place you know, kind of dips out a little dips out into space schmidt is there in the right in the right position at the right time T- the timing on this left-footed volley for her i think was everything great great goal um and it's all level it sort of hits the reset button on this for the game right but the dash don't don't stop in this one and i just sort of felt like watching the remainder of this opening half Sort of seeing them not kind of get that go-ahead goal, I did have in the back of my mind. I'm like, is this going to come back and haunt them a little bit? Because it looked the way they were chasing as if they were going to go ahead and possibly get another one before the half was over. But that's not how it ended up playing out. No, it's not. I mean, heading into the half, one-one, uh, um, and just just two yellow cards down in the first half. That's, that's how I'll put that one. <laughs> Only two. This match ended with six yellow cards. There was four in the second half. It got intense. It got feisty towards the end of it. But um, yeah, heading into the halftime, it was it was almost as if okay, like let's see if there are going to be any changes that come. Let's see how how chippy this does get because it was intense, right? The the intensity was there. It was back and forth we saw um each team i think did a really nice job of of trying to impose their game on their opponent right there were so many spells where we saw uh, Kansas City uh, con- combining, connecting their passes, building out of the back, which is is what they want to do and finding uh, their forwards down the center of the field. And likewise, I think Houston had many minutes of, of spells where they were doing exactly what they want to do, sending the ball long, moving quickly in transition, switching the point of attack, getting the ball to Sanchez wide and having her slice and dice and send it in. I mean, there were so many close, close calls. And honestly, goalkeepers kept uh, both of these sides in the game. AD French ending with four saves throughout this match um just such a fantastic game from French and 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 then as the second half went on I don't know what you were thinking Sandra but I was like man we're going into OT like it felt that way it felt that and and I felt like it was still going to be a little bit of a goalkeeper a a goalkeeper battle Mm -hmm. in, in in that sense I mean look we're talking Houston closing out this game with 20 shots, you know, 19 crosses, you know, and and France just simply getting stronger. I think as the game got on for for Kansas City current. And I think if you're sort of winning those, you know, I think statistical areas, those especially those offensive ones, if you're the dash, I think you're within the phases of momentum that you had within this game you're thinking like, okay, we're knocking, we're knocking. But it almost felt as if that was the energy throughout, you know, minute 10 all the way through to, to 99. 99. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of, yeah. And, and, and I hear it's like, like that just sort of felt like, like, okay, any minute it's going to come here. But I think, you know, I, maybe looking at the substitutions a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the mm-hmm. the, the coaching, um, you know, adjustments that, that that were made here. We saw for Kansas City, Lavoisier came out. Elise Bennett came in right around the 50th minute. Um, and for the dash, they had Ebony Salmon come off and Elizabeth Eddy come on. So in terms of like these first two like immediate substitutions, I, I just sort of felt like, for Kansas City, 
they won that battle in terms of the player off the bench coming well, in to, well, to make yes, that impact. Completely. I mean, Lavoje going down with an injury, right? Yeah. So she, that was almost a force substitute in some sense, but I think um, it was such a smart move to bring in a, a player like Bennett who had, had played off the bench most of this regular season. And that's when she had, uh, succeeded so much is when Bennett was coming off the bench and providing that spark for Kansas City. Um, uh, unfortunate for Lavoge, it was then reported that she uh, went back into the training room, came back out to be with her teammates on the bench, and was on crutches. So really unfortunate there for for Lavoge. But on the other side, with Houston substitute that coming around the 75th minute, um, Eddie coming in, Salmon coming out, surprising, incredibly surprising. Yeah, surprising. That it surprised me a little bit. Salmon, that Salmon was coming out more yeah. so because um, I feel like it was a quiet game for Salmon in terms of um, in terms of like her touches on the ball. Now I think that off the ball she was providing a lot of chaos and because she was occupying two of Kansas City's defenders almost constantly it allowed for much more space in the flank areas for a Lozy Prince coming in behind and Sanchez out on the the left wing as well as well so although Simon wasn't getting touches she was causing chaos and occupying defenders for Kansas City that helped Houston a lot so I agree I think the Bennett sub was had the advantage over the Salmon out sub all right, let me let's 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 try to get towards the uh, the winning the game winning moment here. I want to ask you first though, when you saw nine minutes oh, of stoppage time get added into this game, what was your reaction and what was your feeling to that? I you know what I say: if you get five or more minutes of stoppage, that's chaos o'clock. And I when I saw that go up, I was like, well, we're gonna we're gonna get something here. Nine is just an incredibly, (laughs) incredibly long time because the game is nowhere near over. Nine minutes is just long, long time. We've seen back-to-back goals coming from uh, the same team or both sides getting one and then another in less than like three minutes during this NWSL year. So nine minutes is an eternity. I was shocked because everyone knows watching this officiating playing coaching watching this game that there is extra time so sometimes during the regular season when we see so much added time i'm kind of like okay yeah let's try to get a result like let's finish this out because if it ends in a tie like it just ends in a tie but as this was a playoff game we are going to go into extra time we are going to get a winner eventually so i was shocked to see the 9 minutes but the chaos started immediately at 90 minutes and two seconds both sides were like heck no we're not going into extra time we're closing this out it was back and forth it was all over the place um but it took all of the nine minutes until we had a winner 10 minutes right like they they continued to add on time i uh look we we have to talk about the build to this goal because i think as of right now it's early it's only round one of of the uh nwsl playoffs but this is already the front runner for one of my favorite playoff goals in, in, in 2022 final late game substitution, Isabel Rodriguez in for Merrick. You sort of see mm-hmm. there's a cut, there's a minute or two left within stoppage time. Uh, perhaps maybe this adjustment being made with the idea like, Hey, we're going into extra time, but it ends up not really mattering in the end because we see this wonderful link up uh by Kansas City in the build up to this goal a great bit of give and go between Labanta and Alex Loera who I thought just had an outstanding game 
for this Kansas City Currents. I really season at this point, but great give and go between them to sort of get this ball in a very good position for Kate Delfava within the box and slotting this away at the death. This goal literally came at the death. It was 90 plus 10 at this point. The extra time added on with the late minute substitution scenes, absolute scenes. I think, I think it was uh, the beautiful deafening sound, right? When you, it must be quite a thrill, you know, when you silence 21,284 in, in attendance and you just, you just sort of see, you just sort of see the body language at this point, Kansas city kind of, you know, losing, losing it and and celebrating and Houston dash just sort of, you know, looking a little bit stunned at, at this point, it was a wild, wild finish. It was incredibly wild. And it was, it was really beautiful too. Like the buildup for the goal was beautiful as you just talked about. And, and then the defensive error for Houston, not to be able to clear it out. Kate Delfava doing everything she can to, to get on the end of it. Um, it, it was exciting. It was very exciting. And then the, the post game media availability between Lola Banta and Kate Delfava in there. And, and one of the media, excuse me, I, I'm not sure who it is. Ask Kate, says something along the lines of like, hey, this is your first ever NWSL goal. And Lola Bonta responds like, wait, this is your first one ever? Not just this year? <laughs> like, and just so, gets so excited for Kate. Lobanta yeah. is just overjoyed for her. And she's like, how do you feel? How exciting was this? Let's let's keep this interview going. I want to know. Um, which uh, the excitement and the happiness between those teammates is, it, it says a lot about the team chemistry. And for s- so often we hear players say like, yeah, we're a family. We're sisters. We, we get along great on and off the field. But in moments like that, it's so authentic how n- – genuinely happy Labanta was um, for Delfava. Not that they won, not that they were advancing, but that Delfava got her very first NWSL goal. And and that like made my heart warm, honestly. So but it's the little things, right? Yes. Yes. It is the little things for sure. But Kansas City walking out of Houston with another win. Uh, Houston still has never beaten Kansas City at home and they don't do it on this Sunday of the quarterfinal. All kinds of records being broken, some still standing in place. It was a delightful start to the NWSL playoffs for sure. And Kansas City were the first of the semifinalists to be, uh, you know, determined uh, in this uh, Sunday roundup. But we've got another game that we've got to go through, Lisa. We've got to talk about Chicago Red Stars and San Diego Wave FC. And we're going to take a deep dive into all of the action between those two teams right after a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, let's chat about the late night quarterfinal for, I mean, I guess if you're the East, if you're the East Coaster or if you're, you know, even the, uh, you know, central time uh, local, it, it was a late night for those of yeah. us, right? In central and Easter time, but a wild, wild time worth it. I think to stay up a little bit, oh, sort yeah. of see how this one played out. San Diego Wave FC, the hosts in this one, as sixth place Chicago Red Stars came into town to battle it out in this quarterfinal. San Diego Wave defeating the Red Stars 2 1. These two teams needing extra time to settle out. The result, it was another game that gave us a little bit of everything. An early goal in this one, similar action, I think, that we saw from that first quarterfinal. The Red Stars break through in the goal scoring in this one in the opening 10 minutes. A little bit of an error. We Mm -hmm. saw uh, some veteran presence there, kind of, you know, with the awareness and the presence of mind in Yuki Nagasato to go ahead and capitalize early in this game. A little bit of a chip to open up the goal scoring in this one. This was not at all how I expected the opening uh, so minutes of this this match to go, the opening 10 minutes, honestly, because um, I was expecting to kind of settle in and, and watch this game play out for like 30, 40 minutes before we actually saw like a, a goal, perhaps. I, I'm going to be honest. I was expecting a goal like, before half, but not in the opening 10 minutes. And the way that it came about is very uncharacteristic of Kaylin Sheridan because San Diego builds out of their back constantly. Sheridan is probably one of the best goalkeepers in the NWSL at using her feet, at creating space, at being that 11th field player um, to, to kickstart the attack and be part of the buildup and the possession. She got an assist this year on an Alex Morgan goal. So Sheridan is confident with the ball at her feet and her team is confident giving her the ball at her feet. So when she, she made this mistouch of an error and, and frankly passed it directly to Nagasato, it was heartbreaking. My jaw dropped. I was like, what just <laughs> happened? However, I, I'm, the wherewithal from Yuki Nagasato to hit it one time perfectly in the back of the net is fantastic because I think a lot of players would have taken a touch, tried to get around Sheridan and then passed it in the back of the net because they were only five yards apart from each other, right? Like Nagasato was putting high pressure on and, and it paid off. And if Nagasato took an extra touch, I don't think it would have been a goal. I think Sheridan would have blocked it somehow done done some things and it was such a great first touch from Nagasato I mean that's a veteran in this league that knows what she's doing and understands in those split second moments what is going to change a game and that changed the game for Chicago to start this match Um, uh, looking at how San Diego rolled out. We weren't so sure about Taylor Cornea, Alex Morgan, Amira Ali. Um, Abby Dahlkamp are definitely not available. We knew that before, right right before the game. We did know that heading into it. Um, But even Alex Morgan and Taylor Cornea, we weren't sure how many minutes they were going to get. Well, let me ask you about afternoon. We weren't sure. I was just, let me ask you about that. So we had, we did our preview, right. And we normally do our previews uh, ahead of the games and, and because we do them ahead of the games is we normally don't have, you know, the, the availability reports don't drop them um, until later. And with this, with this one, 
naturally we got the availability reports uh, mm-hmm. late on a Saturday evening. Um, when they dropped, did, did anything surprise you out of it? Was it just sort of like what you were anticipating after sort of hearing uh, the media media availabilities, uh, you know, ahead of the game? Yeah, it was exactly what I was expecting to see. And and you and I have talked about this. Availability reports give a blurred look at what is yeah. actually happening with this team because a player could be on minute restriction and say that they're completely available. A player could be on minute restriction and say that they're questionable. It's very um, up to the discretion of the team, honestly, at where they want to place them based on the availability actually of the player. So the fact that Morgan and Korniak were listed, but but I, I knew they were going to have minute restriction to some extent. They didn't, right? Like, I mean, towards the very end of this one, but um, between these two sides, I those were the two players that were the biggest question marks to me. And as the match went on, we I think we saw how Korniak was feeling. She was hurting a little bit, like towards the end of this game, stopping for long periods of time to stretch out her legs to to kind of shake them out. But between these two sides, both teams looked tired at the end of it. Chicago looking yeah. looking beat up towards the very, very end of this match. But yeah, I, I think I think an extra time, yeah, for for sure. Yes. But um I think from the first yeah. half to that final whistle of extra time, I think you absolutely saw it. Uh, over the course of the 90 plus extra time um, for for sure. I am uh, thinking back to, to that first half with the Red Stars. I mean, the uncharacteristic error, quite frankly, oh. right, from uh, by Sheridan. But when you're in the playoffs, you know, the, mar- the margins are already so thin between all of these teams throughout a regular season that you add that, um, you know, you have that added layer a playoff elimination, it gets even thinner. So, you know, if, if you can imagine yeah. seeing the error happen in kind of real time, I think everybody was kind of like, Oh, that that's an oops. And that's not typically something that, uh, you know, a keeper like Sheridan does often. Right. Um, but you've got Nagasato in that position, you know, a little bit higher up for, for the Red Stars purposely sort of playing mm-hmm. that role. And we saw that from, from this Red Stars team, they, they looked in this first half, like the team with the plan, right? They looked uh, like the team that had been here before a little bit and it took a second, you know, a minute or two for, for the wave to, to say, okay, our turn to, 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 to sort of take the momentum in this game and, and and run with it. It was a very, um, it was a very good 45 minutes for, for the Red Stars. Oh my gosh. I'll even give them like 55 minutes because the the opening goal coming in the tenth minute definitely deflated San Diego a little bit. They they maybe not deflated them as much. Like I'll give them a ten percent deflation right there. <laughs> but it, for Chicago, it inflated them about fifty percent. So wh- whatever they started out, let's say they started at seventy five percent, they were well over a hundred after that goal was scored. It was like, all right, like we have the confidence now to knock the ball around because we're already up a goal. Now your mindset as a player has to be it's a nil-nil scoreline. We've still got to get another one. We've got to get another goal because there's still so much soccer left to play. But Chicago was fantastic for the after the opening 10 minutes, 50 minutes of this match, they played lights out, passing the ball around, moving off the ball, it, pinging it with one, two touches. They looked like they had a plan. They looked like they knew it inside out, upside down, how they were going to execute it. They 
it, they were three steps ahead of San Diego throughout this 45 minutes at, towards the end of the half. They they looked fresh. They looked ready to go around this pitch. Um, Chicago looked like the better team for the next 50 minutes of this match because they they knew what they were doing. They were all over the pitch. They had Aaron Wright in the center back role, which um, I like to see her there directing traffic and, and making sure things are going the way they need to be going, understanding that they have the confidence in Nair behind them defensively. But with the ball, it was, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful to watch. A week off did this Chicago team incredibly well. That's uh, I think that's maybe that's a little bit revealing, right? When mm-hmm. you sort of mention it that way, you're just like, oh, like this was a team that benefited from uh, the international window a little bit to sort of start off their their quarterfinal. But but I'm with you. You know, I I thought I liked what I saw out of Chicago in the opening 45 minutes. I think a goal, if you're the Red Stars and you get a goal in early in that first half, that uh, that helps you settle in even more. I think into mm-hmm. a game like this, a game that you had obviously entered with a bit of a a game plan, sort of seeing this team kind of, you know, within a mid-block at times, you know, stifling the the, the midfield, the middle third a little bit um, and sort of forcing things out kind of on the wings, which ended up kind of being very <laughs> backfired on them a, a little bit. And we'll get into that further into the game. But uh, watching the the outside, the the three back, you know, sort of getting into their positions, sort of having that second player to be able to kind of be in a, a better uh, open space to sort of win that second ball when when San Diego was trying to sort of expose the space that, that was available in that in that final third. It, w- it was good. It was sound. It was organized. Right. That's what it is. It, it, I think that's something that's not too that wasn't something that's too surprising out of this Red Stars team that I think I've said it before about this team multiple times. There, there's a team that can organize you to death. It is the Chicago Red Stars. But unfortunately, it's a really, really tall order to organize another team to death over the course of a uh, 90 minutes or at this case, right. 80 minutes, right, from that 10-minute goal and then through extra time, especially if you just, you know, don't have the it's, bodies, quite frankly, or the depth to do yeah. that. So and I think going know, in at halftime 1-0 was promising at the time. For sure. And and we know that Chicago can organize a team. We know that they can do that. We've seen it throughout this regular season, throughout the last several years. And when you look at the midfield with Gatral, Colaprico, DiBernardo, um, Pew dropping in there, this these are players that have done it consistently and done it well for years and done it together for years. So they know what they're doing. But we have never seen a Chicago team um, organize for about 20 straight minutes. There was like, uh, they had the ball. They, that was it. And San Diego was chasing it. That was what was so impressive to see because we know Chicago can do it, but doing it for an extended period of time consecutively was really, really fun to watch. um, I think it was, I think it was smart and sort of maybe a little bit of foreshadowing between these two teams, both of them kind of closing out the half even on like corner mm-hmm. kick opportunities where Chicago sort of had the, the better of those or, or the more of those leading into the half. But the wave kind of bringing things on, I think in those final five minutes and stoppage time mm-hmm. of the half kind of leveling things out, having a, a couple of, of corner kicks to sort of close out that first half. I think again, maybe a little bit of a, a foreshadowing because we saw this adjustment, you know, made by Casey Stoney, for the second half. And I think this, this is where the game was won. I mean, it's, it's evident in terms of how we're going to talk about this now, what ended up playing out. Sophia Jakobsen coming into this game for 
San Diego Wave FC and coming in for Kelsey Turnbull in the 46th minute, I think changes everything yeah. for San Diego in this game. And I think that automatically just told you what was going to be the difference maker in, in this game for both of these teams. It was it's not just about having depth at this point, but it's having a bit of experienced depth going yeah. forward into these playoff rounds. And if you're Chicago, while you have a bench, you have a plethora of rookie and first year players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you are able to, to call on ones that yes, got a lot of time during the regular season, but it's a little bit di- different, different energy when you get into this round, you know, so yeah. to have a Swedish international coming off of, of the bench, uh, you know, for San Diego waves, so you saw the immediate impact that somebody like Jakobsen, uh, you know, just creating, creating problems on that wing. And that's what I mean when I say it sort of right. came back to haunt Chicago, you saw San Diego finally be able to sort of ex- expose some of these pockets of space. Yes. Expose them for sure. And, and, uh, Looking back at how Casey Stoney managed this game with her player substitutions, who she started, um, that's what she was looking for. She was playing the long game of who can I bring in off the bench to be game changers? Because we've saw we've seen Sophia Jakobsen start a couple games for Stoney this year. She mainly came in off the bench, and that was her bread and butter. Now, the first 10 games of the season, it took her a little bit to get going, to understand her footing in this league and, and how um, – Jakobsen could succeed individually in this NWSL. And once she figured that out, Stoney understood that she is a, a game changer off the bench and giving her 45 minutes, having her come in at the 45 minute mark is exactly what San Diego needs because we saw Jaden Shaw, the 17 year old get the start, which yep. um, she deserves to play. And she's a good player. I think stacked up Jakobsen is better than Shaw. But Jakobsen off the bench is is the best that San Diego has to offer. And it proved right because as soon as Jakobsen came in, it changed the way that that San Diego managed this game and the way that they could attack pockets. And they were finding Morgan more. They were finding Korniak more. Um, they had more opportunities and more chances. I mean, this game was end-to-end uh, – offense and attacking because ends at the end of the this full game 30 shots to San Diego 24 <laughs> shots to Chicago that is insane outstanding, outstanding is insane. time outstanding numbers over the course of a very long very long five, five saves for each goalkeeper five huge tremendous saves um but I, I think that the substitutes did change things especially oh, yeah. for for San Diego as this game went on yeah, and there that was, was still 30 minutes left to play. That was, I think for me, I think that was the absolute X factor. I mean, you see, you can you can pinpoint the exact moment in which the Chicago Red Stars just run out of gas in, yeah. in this game a bit, you know, and, and it's right around the hour mark or, or so of it. And we see this equalizer come for San Diego Wave FC, right? Jakobsen getting Morse on her heels, beating her alongside the flank, nearly getting in line. You know, we see Van Eggman making a good run into the box, being in a good position to get a foot on, th- and, and we see the equalizer. And it's it's right at the 67th minute, and, and you could just sort of see, I'm not saying that that was necessarily something that completely deflated this Red Stars team, but at this point, if you're having that, com- if, you, if you have that combination of, hey, we're starting to feel tired and, and the legs are starting to get under us a little bit. 
and then you have conceded the, the the lead at this point, it's it's a tough hill to climb back from, you know, especially right. in a playoff game. And I don't, and I just think that that's ultimately what what we saw. And while the the Red Stars are again really good at being an organized team, um, it's enough to get you through the extra time. But then we just saw like the sheer exhaustion coming into play uh, in for the Red Stars team specifically in the second half because again you have different players that you can bring in into these situations i mean you had at one point um we talked about in in, in, in the kansas city and houston game how level j was an injury sub and, and you had an injury sub for chicago as well you saw rachel or excuse me um sarah luber coming off of of the pitch in in the 80th minute or so because just lingering issues we this is, player yeah. that's been, this is a player that's been on and off the availability report for the red stars for the last several weeks with an ongoing lower body believe ankle injury and trying to stretch things out but they had that it was they were forced into this substitution uh especially that late in the game one zero and who do they have coming off of the bench with the most experience at a wingback position at this point? With a rookie, Joe Aguilera, who had never played a wingback position before prior to becoming a pro. Right, right. Like uh, Chris Petroselli had options on the bench, right? Fit options that were eager and ready to go, but just so much inexperience because of how young Chicago's bench was. So um, that exactly, I think like the forced substitute because of Lubert's injury, um, not entirely helping Chicago like Aguilara coming in and, and giving chase and giving energy, giving what she could in her role, but like not fully understanding the best ways to attack in that wing back role or to uh, honestly slow down what she could of, of Westfall and Shaw on this, uh, that near side for Chicago during those moments. Um, but uh, when you look at the injuries, like Daniel Colaprico going down with a bit of a scary, yeah but ultimately ending playing out uh, Vanessa DiBernardo giving her blood, sweat and tears throughout this match all over the pitch. And I think uh, when we saw some of those players go down and the training staff come on the pitch, it was almost like, Oh no, like who, who is next? Like yeah. who could step up? Who can fill this role that these players leave? And honestly, there is no direct answer for that because yeah. no one can fill the hole of Colaprico or Di Bernardo in, in the midfield, especially at the 70 minute mark, you still and got potential extra time to play. And that's a problem, right? Like we need to call it like what it is. That's, that's a problem. I think if yeah. you're, you were looking at outside of the players themselves, I think you're looking even outside of the coaching staff, you're looking at, you know, front office, you know, executives who are responsible for, for fleshing out uh, a roster and, and giving players support. Um, you had a team that yeah. punched their ticket through and into the quarterfinals in the last possible day. And, and, just watching them play through this corner final, just getting exhausted minute after minute after minute, especially going through into this this extra time. I mean, you have Yuki Nagasato coming out of this game in late extra time holding her groin at this yeah. point, you know, and, and Ava Cook coming on in, in her place. And Ava Cook, another one of these rookies who uh, had a very good showing in the first half of the regular season for the Red Stars and has not actually had her number called throughout the second half and later stages of, of the regular season. But, hey, 
you're a body on the bench. You should come Ooh, in this yeah. game. So it's 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 just, you know, we saw Ella Stevens come in from Morgan Gatra. Like the, they, you could tell that they tried to ride their veterans as long as they could. Petroselli confirming that in the post game as well uh, when asked about the game. And it just, unfortunately, there just was not enough there. Oh, and even, um, even Pew looked exhausted. I mean, she oh, had yeah. probably four or five full field sprints with the ball, just weaving, slicing and dicing through San Diego's back line and just breaking lines, getting opportunities throughout the the 90 minutes of regulation play. And towards the very end of this game, just looking exhausted, looking like she, she wanted the ball, right? In those moments, she got it. She wanted to get shots off. She wanted to slice and dice, but she couldn't be picking up the ball at half field and running 40 yards to get a yeah. shot off. It was not happening from Pew anymore. She looked tired towards the end of this game because she had given everything. Yeah. And we're talking a little bit about personnel versus personnel here, right? Depth versus depth. And and we didn't even mention Doniak being one of these players that was able to come in in that initial second mm-hmm. half for the wave. You still have Amira Ali who comes into this game Ooh. into extra time. Talk uh, about a know. super sub for Casey Sony. Amira <laughs> Ali stepping on the pitch. Her first three touches get around two defenders and rip a shot. It, yeah. was, it was beautiful. I sat up and screamed incredibly loud for yeah medicine, <laughs> medicine <laughs> jody taylor uh, you know uh, it, it's it's just like the list went on and on and on uh for for this team but look we're talking about some of the veterans as well for this san diego waveside and while they're an expansion side navigating the playoffs for the first time they have some pretty experienced players we've talked a bit about sophia jackson and she was essential in this uh this game and how it played out and so was alex morgan we're talking about you know mal Pugh, a player one of those united states women's national team players that did not go overseas during the international window alex morgan uh you know playing with a bit of a knock and also not going to to england and or spain playing all, you know, 90 minutes plus two extra times uh, in in this one. And again, the foreshadowing that I was talking about, Mm -hmm. this game-winning goal off the foot of Alex Morgan, the Golden Boot winner, an MVP candidate. San Diego getting another set-piece opportunity. This corner is initially somewhat cleared, but not enough. Falls into space. Jakobsen is able to play the ball back in. Morgan with an opportunity in the box. 1v1. Smart decision here. Bit of a shot cross. It looks like she was trying to get this ball into space. And forgive me if it was Korniak or a different player making this alternate run far post. But it didn't matter because this ball dribbles under a listener. And it is 2-1 San Diego Wave. At halftime, um, Jen Hildreth and Allie Wagner had the opportunity to speak with Danielle Colaprico and asked her about what needed to be done to to kind of keep San Diego at bay. And Colaprico saying, point blank, we've talked about the first and second ball all week. We know that they have Corniak who can flick it on, whether it's set pieces, whether it's um, long balls out of the back from Sheridan. It's the first and second ball that Chicago was focusing on. And then set pieces. Those were the two things Colaprico said. Can't give up set pieces. They're going to win those. And then the first and second opportunities. And that's what it was. It was a set piece corner kick. And it was the second ball opportunity that lands right to to the far side. And it gets dished off to Morgan. It was the two things that Chicago knew 
San Diego could hurt them on, which moments like that are almost heartbreaking because it's like they knew it. They knew that this was a moment that could punish them. And they had kept San Diego at bay for, for so long. I mean, minus the equalizer in the 67th minute, this is the 110th minute. Um, Mm -hmm. It, we're in extra time at this point. And the the shot from Morgan is is fantastic, right? Do, whether it's a shot, whether it's a cross, she does the right thing by keeping the ball low. It's on her left foot, that favorite left foot of Alex Morgan, and it's got power and it's put into traffic. So even if it hits somebody, ricochets, her teammate gets it, it's in the perfect spot. Nair, it, it does go under her. As soon as we watched this replay, you could tell that Nair knew yeah. she should have had it. She knew that she should have done something different, but it, it doesn't matter because it's put in the right spot by Morgan. Um, and, and that ends up being the huge, huge difference maker and game winning goal for San Diego to advance. Yeah, no, I mean, um, look, she was in a in a position to save it, right? And I think in those scenarios, all goalkeepers know that they're ultimately that that last line of defense. Um, tough post game to you know have to sit in on for for Chicago. It, it was Petroselli and, and Nayer in the end, and um, Nayer um, doing her best to just kind of stay composed in a vulnerable post game, um, and and literally said, "I should have had that save." She should have. And what you knew it. Have? As soon as you saw the replay, a nayer on the ground, she just puts her her head in her hands. And, and you knew because it went right mm-hmm. under her. It was it, – it's almost like she thought the ball was going to be kicked or redirected, and that's the response – that's what she was waiting for instead of attacking the ball. Nayer should have had it. She should have. It, it starts yeah. with a mistake from Sheridan giving the ball away in the opening 10 minutes to Nagasato, and it ends with a goalkeeping mistake in, in Nayer. Um letting that one go through on the Alex Morgan shot. Look, Alex Morgan, we we had question marks around Morgan and Pune, how they were going to look and what their impact was going to be in this game. It sort of looked like Morgan getting took a little time to get into the game. You had Pugh fading towards uh, the end of it, and Morgan with the game winner. you love to see it, quite the frankly. Gold, that, the that's golden boot winner keeps on golden booting. <laughs> that's what keeps on golden booting. Look, that's what that's what uh, twenty six thousand wanted to see in yeah. uh, in Huge. San Diego, right? We we broke a record at the five o'clock kickoff <laughs> match in Houston with an attendance record at twenty one over twenty one thousand fans in Houston. That was an NWSL playoff record. Snapdragon Stadium, the fans in Southern California, they showed up and they showed out. We uh, five hours later, we broke another record. I love at ten p.m. at over twenty six thousand nwsl fans for the playoffs we've got a couple more though right two more coming up let's do it fans get out to these games in portland in seattle for ol rain break more records let's do it why not quarter quarterfinals are over it's semifinal energy now i love that only the second year for the expanded playoff format and uh, these quarterfinals didn't disappoint tons of fans coming through records broken within hours of each other and now the look ahead to the NWSL semifinals, October 23rd. That's when you could catch them on CBS Sports Network. We have San Diego Wave heading on the road to Providence Park. We'll take on number two seeded Portland Thorns at 5 p.m. Eastern. And Kansas City Current heading on the road to Seattle, Washington to face OL Rain at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in and catch all of the semi. Final action. A spot in the NWSL championship is on the line. Thanks, everybody. That's all we got for you today. Appreciate you being here, listening to us, joining us live. 
on this early morning episode. Download, follow, and listen to Attacking Third anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating and review. That helps us out so much at A3. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts whenever we go live. And we will be back with more coverage this week, exclusive interviews on our NWSL playoff coverage for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.